Hi and welcome to podcast 22 on Football Alanya. If you're new, we hope you'll stick around to hear us talk extensively on the Eredivisie, including an interesting Twitter poll result we put out, and we'll answer your questions. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast, and thank you if you're one of the growing audience that are tuning into our podcast every week. On YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes combined, we have been hitting like over six, 600, 700 listens regularly, so all thanks to you. Please continue to like, share and subscribe wherever you're listening to show us your support. Today, I, Michael Statham, am joined by regular football and writer and podcaster James Rowe. Hello. And yet another special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? So I'm uh, Frank Willard. Uh, I'm a sports commentator for the NOS radio and television, which is kind of like the BBC in England, only way smaller than that. But it works in a similar way. I usually uh, comment on football matches in the Eredivisie or in European matches on TV or as well radio. Awesome. Well, um, Frank, James, we have have been witnessing uh, an interesting week for Feyenoord uh, this week. They, they, they lost 4-0 at home to Manchester City in the Champions League and then followed that up with a, a painful defeat um, away at PSV. So... It's been a, a, an enormous week for them, but they've lost two crucial games. Frank, what, what do you think their week? And do you think this will set a tone for their season? Do you think it's going to be a bigger battle than we expected in the Eredivisie and the Champions League? Well, uh, in the Champions League, they should have expected a really big battle because uh, the opponents they got, and uh, I don't think they really expect to go on in the Champions League anywhere because the other teams are, are normally way better than Feyenoord is. And in the National League, uh, they expect to be running for cha- the championship. And they still will after they lost 1-0 against PSV, because they should have played uh, one each. Uh, only they didn't, because they didn't score the goal. They had to had to score. Um, yeah, I think it's a, um, a damaging week for them to be beaten by um, so handsomely by Manchester City. And obviously, uh, losing in Eindhoven, I think um, I think they I think they went with aspirations to to win the game in Eindhoven, but uh, I think it's just a timely win for PSV in that respect. But um, it's a very long season, and um, they um, they still have a chance to, to retain the title. They'll still be in the mix to to win the title. There's no doubt about that. But um, I think they would have hoped to kick off their uh, Champions League campaign with a more positive result and especially in terms of uh, goals conceded. But James, um, there's been a bit of news this week that uh, final fans are not allowed to to travel to Naples for the next Champions League game. Do do you think that's going to have a big effect on them? Yes, I do. I actually coincidentally read on the... uh, I have the the NOS app on my iPad and I read last night the... the, um, Very good. (laughs) Yes, I I, I read last night uh, whilst relaxing at home that... um, the news, uh, uh, news coming out, but um, only a small group of the of the club, uh, in terms of representatives and people behind the scenes, will travel with the squad to Naples. But uh, the fans will not be allowed to attend, which is a big shame because, um, obviously, with uh, what happened with final when they last visited Italy when they played in Rome um, a few years ago, and there was uh, ugly scenes in terms of. Um, 
damage caused to uh, special monuments and, and being a little bit overzealous, I think um, I think that's been taken into consideration. But it's also a shame for the club to work so hard and to achieve Champions League football and for the for the final supporter who's extremely passionate who wants to attend European games, not just in the Netherlands but also abroad, an opportunity is, is, is taken away from them, which is a bit of a shame because maybe they harboured ambitions of, uh, of visiting uh, major cities in Europe and, and beautiful stadiums. And in the case of a, a very passionate crowd at um, Sao Paulo in Naples, which has a, a decent reputation, uh, they unfortunately will not be able to attend. Yeah, it's a great shame that they couldn't, the fans can't go because it, it also puts them in a, a more dangerous predicament in terms of qualifying for the next stage, whether that's Champions League or Europa League. Because they've lost 4-0 at home to Man City and now a very tough game away at Napoli. It doesn't set uh, good confidence for the remaining four games in which they'll have to get at, at least six points to finish third, for example. And it puts a lot of pressure on the team. In the league as well... Yeah, but I think, go ahead. But I think it's not, it's not very personal uh, against Feyenoord because uh, Napoli played Nice as well uh, in the Champions League uh, pre-round. And Nice couldn't bring any supporters as well. So you should expect uh, for Manchester City fans and for Shakhtar fans not to be able to come to Naples as well. It, it has got something to do, I expect, with uh, the finer fans, the way they behaved in Rome a couple of years ago. But uh, it's not uh, specially for them because Napoli have done it before and they will do it, I think, they will do it again. Uh, in the league as well, like they've, they've lost oh, at PSV and... I, I did not think that PSV at all deserved that win. That There was a lot of second balls being lost in midfield. They didn't impose themselves upon the champions. And I just thought that there was a lot of quality missing from PSV, which which really shocked me. Um, but I suppose that Herving Lozano being missed didn't help. But yeah, no, I, I thought I thought Final should have got something out of it. But they need to be better taking their chances. Perhaps they missed Nikolai Jorgensen. I think uh, PSV started the game very well. Um, they scored a goal really quick, and Feyenoord was all over the place. Uh, they couldn't cope with uh, PSV the way they played. Uh, they were way too fast for them. They couldn't get any pressure on the ball, and PSV sh should have scored more goals before uh, before the, the end of the first half. And Feyenoord got into the game slowly but they did and after they got to 10 men and the second half then PSV started to doubting themselves uh, are we going to score two or are we going to settle for one and they did the last thing and Feyenoord picked up very good after after the break and uh, got a lot of chances they should have scored but in the first half they were nowhere so I think one each was a very good result for both of them but that Feyenoord didn't get it, it was their own problem their own fault mm. I think Jeroen uh, Soot made two uh, crucial saves to deny Tornstadam uh, Botogin and that proved timely I think it's a um, it's an important win for PSV I think to um, to relieve the pressure after um, after a difficult start to the season especially failing to qualify for Europe and um, I think a win against uh, a major rival in uh, the domestic sense can only help them as they go forward. I still think it's going to be a massively difficult season for them. I still am very concerned from what I've seen so far from PSV. They don't seem the same assertive team that they used to be. They play much better on the counter-attack. 
it that's why it's a shame they didn't get through in Europe because they've been playing teams of a decent caliber to to use a counter attack. But now they can't do that in the league, and I just think it's going to cost them a lot of games. Um, they play with Select next away, and I think it's going to be a similar problem um, where Utec might try and sit back and try and counter PSV to try and play against what PSV don't like. I don't think that. I don't. I think a piece of uh, Utrecht will play their own game, and uh, PSV might hope to go into counter attack because uh, when they have the ball, they're not good enough. I agree with you on that. Um, but uh, I think Utrecht uh, is a very big problem for any club in the Eredivisie because the way they play is slightly different than everybody else, mm. and it's been a problem for a year and a half already for every other club and uh, that continues to be because Utrecht is getting better and uh, they had a surprise uh, big loss against Twente last weekend but uh, well they have that every now and again because they're Utrecht they're not that good mm. that they can beat everybody uh, but they can make problems for the top three any day yeah and I think Eric Ten Hag is really going to sort that out this week I, I really think that he's the, the look on his face when they're 4-0 down told its own story and I just think that he's going to get them on the training grounds and it will be a completely different display against PSV. Yeah, he's a very sore loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, fellow challengers Ajax play the Tess, and this game for me will be game of the weekend um, because you're looking at two teams that that like to attack. But whether the Tess going to come with a, a different approach this weekend is um, a debate altogether. And I just I just want to get your guys' opinion on whether you think. Um, Vitesse have got the strength this season to really challenge these big teams, and you know, have they really got the ability to put, you know, to defend against Ajax and keep a clean sheet? And because Ajax have got some fantastic attacking players, despite their poor form. Um, if, you, if you ask me, I think uh, Vitesse can be good enough for top five, um, and they can cause problems for the uh, top three in the Netherlands for Ajax, PSV, and Feyenoord. Uh, for this season but um, they have a, a very good striker in Matas uh, who's uh, quite prolific so far and um, well the rest of the team they're acting quite good as a team but there's a slight problem in Arnhem right now because uh, in the organization there's some people that really want to get involved in who is playing and who is not playing and they're really uh, getting on the nerves of the of the head coach, and um, well, he has a problem with that, and we'll see how that uh, continues for the rest of the season, because that will be a big problem. Not maybe against Ajax, because against the top team, against Ajax, everybody, every other team, will be uh, trying his best to get a good result, and Vitesse will get uh, will make Ajax uh, really work hard for their points. Mm. I agree with. Uh... Frank, I could definitely see Vitesse finishing in the top five. I think personally they've responded really well in terms of losing Lewis Baker and Ricky Van Mollerswinkel from last season. Um, I think it's disappointing for them to um, to, to have drawn at home to Faye Faye Fenlo, but by the same token, a, a great result for Faye Faye uh, last, uh, last Sunday. It'll be interesting to see how much the Europa League takes out of, um, t takes out of uh, Vitesse because I think they... Uh, I think it cost them an awful lot of energy to uh, stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Lazio and they were unlucky and ended up losing 3-2. Um, I think they'll consolidate in the top five, but I think it's unlikely that they will push for the top three. 
about Vitesse, uh, I thought their performance against Lazio was, was excellent. It's a shame that they had those two defensive lapses that cost them the win. And they could have easily put Lazio away with further chances. But doesn't that show you the, 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 the Dutch teams at the moment in Europe? Um, we always seem to bring this up in our podcast, but it is such a big issue that, for example, Vitesse there should have beat Lazio, but still couldn't. Is that a style of play issue? Um, I think it's, well, uh, Lazio can bring on uh, Immobile and Vitesse uh, already have their best striker on the pitch. Because uh, so if Lazio is in trouble, they didn't start their best players, and when they were in trouble, they started bringing on their best players, and then Vitesse was in trouble every time uh, uh, Lazio put some extra effort in, they scored a goal, and Vitesse made big mistakes at, at right at that time in in that game. So and uh, mostly from the same player, mostly from Van der Werf. So that's uh, a problem. You know, you don't have 11 players who can cope with a team like uh, Lazio, not even when they're uh, not at their best. And Vitesse will have to uh, try to get the best results possible. It's a very good learning experience for them. But to expect them to get into the knockout phase, well, I don't know. It would be great if they could, but uh, I don't know. They have uh, they have had a big lesson and they can use that against Ajax, I think. Hmm. I think just a final point of Vitesse. Players like Milo Rashica love playing against the big teams. And I think he's going to play a big part at Ajax on, on, um, on Saturday. I believe it's Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Cheers. Um, and yeah, I, I think their best players come to the fore. And they're the top goal scorers actually in, in the division at the moment, tied with Feyenoord. Uh, and they've just got more goals in them and that really helps them, particularly in home matches. And I think that this season it's going to make a difference with them scoring those extra goals at home to win those games, you know, sort of 3-1, 4-1, as opposed to the, the slim victories they had last season. I think in 2016 they only won three games at home um, all year, but 2017 they, all, they already have eight victories now. They didn't beat Vevevé, and that was actually quite shocking for me that they didn't, but perhaps that's, as James said, the Europa League's taking its toll. But um, I, I really think Vitesse have got that capability to break the top three. And I, um, I, I think they can even pass PSV. Perhaps if Ajax are in trouble this season, if they can get a victory away at Ajax, who knows? Uh, I don't think they will finish in the in top three. They will have a good season in the Eredivisie. But uh, the top three is stronger than they are, uh, more consistent than they are. Mm. But they're, uh, uh, they'll, they will give them a lot of trouble. Uh, and you named a, lo- a few players. I can add to them uh, Serrero, a controller in midfield, who's had a very good start at Vitesse. And if he continues to do that, then uh, Vitesse will be good, but they will still be top five, not top three. Mm. It is a big ask. I, I, I do realise that. And after, after last season as well, where all top three were winning again and again and again, and it was six in a row, seven in a row, and a team like Vitesse would find that particularly difficult, especially since they're in Europe, and Ajax and PSV are not. I did put a poll on um, the the Twitter page, and uh, I was asking which which Eredivisie side is most likely to break into the top three, but um, the followers didn't pick Vitesse. They went with RZ over Vitesse, Utrecht, and Heerenveen. Um, why do you think people are most likely to pick RZ? Because there's more football in uh, AZ than there is in uh, Vitesse. Vitesse is very good organised. They have good players. 
can get their moments, but AZ can get a lot of can get a lot more moments during a game because they have uh, a very good attacking game, very quick, very good players, young players. It's a team people favor because they like the way they play. Uh, they have Van Overeem who has a very good one-touch game. Uh, he does that very often, which makes their attack very quick. And he's always involved. And, uh, well, they have a striker who can score 20 if he wants to. Hmm. And uh, they have young players who add a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, nice things to AZ. And they have a very good youth uh, academy. Uh, people like that, the way that AZ is coming up. They had big problems a few years ago with money. And now they're back and they're very, very good. They might end up fourth. I don't think they will be in the top three either. Hmm. Yeah, James, and you were saying that you that John Devan and Brom was under pressure this season to deliver, and I, I was with you on that. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, I think they've had a great start, and I think what they're doing is they're really re they're really reaping the benefits of the money they invested in their youth policy, of their training co uh, complex in terms of putting things in place to get the players prepared as um, as best as possible and I have I have stated before that my jury is very much out on John van der Bellon, but they've had a fantastic start and that can only um, that can only bode well for the future I think it's an important year for van der Bellon. it's an important year for RZ and um, be interesting to see how uh, how they get on over the course of the season yeah especially players such as um, Adelaide Jahanbach who probably should have left the club um, last summer but he decided to continue his development with RZ. Uh, just a final note on this poll, uh, Hayden Vane um, were also there and got some votes. They've made a very good start to the season, um, but I guess their problem might lie with the centre-back Kick Peary, who's only 17. He's done fantastically well, but yeah, it's, it's a tough start for him to get into the team and to really, yeah, to, to get that consistency for the length of the season. But then you can't deny they've got some very good attacking players. Um, Martin Odegaard, He's coming back into people's attention again because of uh, the sparkling performances he's been having. And um, Morton Torsby, for example, I was a big fan of his last season, but I felt like he needs to add more to his game. He's a very workmanlike kind of player. But so far this season, he's been a lot more industrious in helping actually build the play. And he's always a threat in that penalty area, especially with his height. Do you guys think that Jürgen Steppel's done a, done a good job this season so far? Yes, yes. I stated before on the podcast that I believe Jürgen Stleckel to be quite underrated. Um, when he was previously at Willem Trey, he had them playing some fantastic football at times. And um, when things were going awry for Van Bronckhorst, um, when uh, he started out at finals, Stleckel was uh, once considered as a potential uh, candidate to succeed him. But I think uh, it's been a slow start for Stleckel to get um, to get things in place, he stated himself after the uh, in his press conference after the win at the weekend. But it takes time to build a squad. It takes time to um, to put things in place. And they have some great players in Lucas Baldenberg and uh, Arbusinelli. And also for the for the readers as well, I'm, I'm currently in negotiations with F, uh, FC Hill and Bain to uh, to interview uh, Kick Beardy in October time. So fingers crossed that will uh, that will go through okay. Uh, I think Hirvain uh, has had a very good start. They played a very good first half last year, uh, but then uh, had a very uh, big downfall in the second half of the season. 
And I think uh, the same thing could happen to Heerenveen uh, this year because uh, they have Strappel as a coach, uh, who is a very good coach, but his, uh, uh, his training ability of the team, the way they have to play and the, the, to know what they have to do in certain situations, I hear that's not very good. But uh, he's a very good people manager. He can do that very well. And that works for a while. But if, if things go wrong, then he last year he showed he couldn't turn that around. With the good players he still had, he, he couldn't do anything about it. And uh, so that's a big problem for Hirveen. That could still happen this year. They can have a great year all year. But somewhere they will have a downfall. And then it will be the question how long it will take that downfall if it will be the rest of the season or will it be a couple of weeks um, and that will be very important for the, the result at the end uh, that's why I think they will not in a, be in the top 5 normally they will be maybe top 8 top 7 yeah I have to agree with that actually um, it's it's a little fake the start of the season because I still think the defence isn't as strong as it looks It in late in games they come under a lot of pressure and it, they often rely on luck to deal with that, and I don't think Sleppel is good at um, adapting tactics in uh, for the situation of the match. And I, I agree with what you say, Frank. Um, that that hearsay um, actually seems to match what I think. Um, now we've got five yeah. questions in, and I I just like to finish the podcast with that this week. Um, the first one I'll pick is to do the Eredivisie, so to spin it on its head a little bit. Let's look at the bottom of the table. Housemaster asks, what are the chances of Willem Tway staying up? Frank, would you like to ask, answer that one? Uh, they'll have a, a very hard time to be out of the uh, uh, last three. But maybe they can uh, handle that. Well, they have a lot of competition there. Rode SA will be in very big trouble this season, I guess. I think Twente is very low right now. But they will get up uh, uh, faster. Nuck is is down there and can pretty much stay there. Ada will be up more, and Excelsior and maybe Sparta will be in trouble. So they will have to uh, beat Roda, Excelsior, Sparta, Nuck, I guess. And that will be very, very hard. They have a very good striker, or, or the Spanish guys is a very good Sol from Sol. Uh, if they can uh, get 15 or 20 goals out of out of him, they will end up 15, I guess. Mm. I'm confident they'll stay up. I uh, I don't think Willem say will go down. I think, uh, like um, Frank said, with Franco, with uh, Daniel Crowley, uh, with um, the Nigerian as well, uh, Ogbechi. Mm. Um, He's always injured, huh? Yeah. Yep. But, um, He's still a good player, though. Yeah. Uh, I I stated I stated before that um, um, the ODSA will definitely struggle. I've never been completely convinced with uh, Sparta in the Eredivisie on the Alex Pastor, um, and possibly Excelsior in the mix as well. So I can't personally see Villanova um, getting relegated to. Yeah, I think there's a few teams that are far weaker than them, um, as it tends to be in the Eredivisie. There's always those teams that are just that that too weak for the division. Aroda are definitely one of them. I think Excelsior will always be down there. And yeah, as you guys say, Sparta. Um, not convinced that they have the genuine individual quality to stay out of the bottom three. Villanueva have got enough. They've got some decent players. They've got some decent midfielders that just need that time to gel. And um, 
Fran Sol, yeah. And if he, him and Villa Cogna can strike a partnership, which did very well against Aloda, then they'll have no trouble. Uh, let's go for... this. Just a little spin a little bit off the area of busy after this question, but this one's from Tom. He asks... Who are the best non-Dutch players are in their Eredivisie? Um, yeah, that's a big question. Um, who would like to answer that one? Um, I guess you have to be in the top three for that. Um, yeah. So, Feyenoord has Jurgensen, who's very good. Um, but they have El Abadi, who's uh, actually Dutch, but he is a Moroccan football nationality. He's very good. Um, PSV has Lozano, is, uh, I think who is uh, by far the best foreign player. And Ajax have a lot, actually. Mm. Uh, they have Yunus, they have Dolberg, uh, that are very good uh, foreign players. Mm. Yeah, and none uh, of the... I've, I've... Go on, James. Yeah, I, th I think that the usual suspects are there. If you, went, uh, if you went a little bit further down, you know, you could, uh, you could say about... Um... Uh, you mentioned Janak Shabar uh, at said uh, and um, Albus Nelly at um, Vane, If you looked in, if you looked into those two, apart from uh, um, uh, if you did, wanted to go outside the usual, the usual suspects, but in terms of the high quality, you're looking at uh, Hakim Ziyech and uh, Jorgensen. Yeah, for me, Hakim Ziyech is uh, by far the best quality player in the area. Is he Dutch, non-Dutch? Um, excellent footballer. Still don't know why he doesn't get a massive move abroad. I, I still, to this day, can't figure out why he left Twente so late and Ajax had to sign him so late in the transfer window um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, and I think we'll go into the next question. And now James will love this one, um, as he knows quite a bit about Frank de Boer. He's appeared and talked talks what just to talk all about him. JD asks, what's next for Frank de Boer? Um. I think a, a long break, first and foremost. I can't see him jumping in anywhere in particular uh, in the short term. No doubt he will be um, he will be brought into contention for the national team job once the qualification cycle is finished. But um, I, I just hope he learns from his mistakes. He's had his fingers burnt twice with uh, stints that... Uh, a major European club in uh, Inter Milan, which only lasted 85 days, and a, an established Premier League club in Crystal Palace, which only lasted 77 days. And you would hope that he would learn from his experiences where not to be uh, too hasty and, and to be extremely choosy in his next... Um, in his next venture, when he was an analyst for European games with Ajax last season, he was often pillared and questioned by many hosts and when presenting games live about what his next uh, step will be, where would he go, where would he want to go, and he was always having to, to, um, to dumb down a bit and to say that he was going to take his time and, and be really choosy and... Uh, but you also can't blame him for choosing a Premier League um, um, a Premier League job because you don't know if that opportunity is ever going to arise again in the future. So you can understand why he's took it. But I think uh, what's in store for him is a long break. And then um, I think he may well be brought into contention to the national team uh, once the qualification cycle is finished. I think uh, Frank de Boer has made two poor choices so far, and everybody knows it. So he will have a, a long break. As I think uh, I can agree with that, and I can agree with uh, him being 
or doing something at the National Football Association after this as well. But I don't know if he will be uh, our national team coach uh, or the next one. Um, I think that it will be something smaller or uh, he will be a club coach somewhere way smaller than he thought before you know he could before he could uh, go to crystal palace he should have gone maybe to liverpool but he didn't and now he's stuck he made two big uh, mistakes very short uh, breaks and uh, well now uh, uh, he's he's in trouble i think he will be at the national team association as well and uh, where he goes from there well i don't know any club who would pick him up very soon yeah, I think he's more likely to go into a more low-risk situation um, or somewhere where he'll be wanted, such as a Dutch national team manager. Um, I hope not. I don't, I don't think he's got the capabilities just yet for that kind of job. And he's more likely to end up back in the Netherlands or perhaps a team, um, brand of example, such as Celtic, where he's, he's not as, um, as much under pressure to deliver results because at Celtic you're going to win a lot of games, that sort of job. Um, I think a next question. Okay, let's talk about this one. Um, this this here asks, what is the Netherlands starting eleven at this point as we're talking about the Burr? Um, I think a, a better question here would perhaps be, will there be any major changes come the next game in October? I think there will not be very many changes because uh, the pre-selection is pretty much the same um, and there's uh, a, f a few players added uh, to it because there's a, a lot of players who don't play at their club and who are uh, slightly injured or not fit yet. Um, so the only thing I can imagine that will really change is that I forgot will choose players who are fit and who are playing regularly at their club so he has no problems with that uh, during the game but uh, in other ways that's the only reason I think he will change in the starting 11 and who uh, those players will be I don't think it will be uh, for example it will be Silesen because out of the uh, goalkeepers he selects he's by far the best I guess I think it'll be similar to the um, to the starting lineups which were um, picked for Bulgaria and um, and um, and France I think after the game uh, against Belarus um, and what plays out with Sweden against Luxembourg going into the uh, to the final match at home to Sweden and potential um, potential scenarios with uh, with goal difference with uh, with um, points and, and that kind of thing, I think uh, we'll see similar starting lineups and, uh, and uh, a, tr a tried and tested method. Hmm. I think goals are needed though, and I, I might I could probably even predict um, a surprise start for Klaasian Huntelaar against Belarus, where goals are are needed to try and break that goal difference barrier with Sweden. Um, but I guess let's not depress ourselves too much with upcoming games because. It's going to be very tough for qualification to happen. Um, it could even be that second place isn't enough in the end. That could very well be the case. So we can uh, preview anything we like, but the, the chances are very big that we won't go to Russia for the World Cup. So um, I don't, I don't think that will happen with either 
uh, Huntelaar or Bas Dost at, uh, at the start in the starting mm. lineup or whoever they, they choose to uh, put in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think as well. Although th- it's highly likely that the Netherlands will will miss a second consecutive major tournament for the first time in the eighties. I think um, from my point of view. When that draw was made and you're facing difficult away trips to uh, Sofia and to Sona and to Paris, it was a tough group. The same way the qualification for Euro 2016 was uh, was quite difficult with Turkey, uh, Czech Republic and a fantastic generation with Iceland. You would only hope that if the inevitable does happen, that things are put in place by the Dutch FA to make sure that the next qualification round is the one where they don't end up missing three in a row and that they have to start really, really strong and, and really me- make it so that it's come hooker by crook but by uh, at Euro 2020 that they are present because that, that's going to be vitally important. Our last question comes from Gareth and he says, do you think that Premier League sides such as Manchester City and Chelsea are harming the development of Dutch players with their loaning of players to Dutch sides or is it actually helping Dutch clubs? What do you think, Frank? Uh, I think um, as long as the Dutch clubs uh, put in the players that are very good and uh, if they have better Dutch players, they should put in the uh, Dutch player uh, every time, uh, which is happening right now at Vitesse I, I already said that a little bit before but that's a, a problem they have Chelsea players and uh, some of them are not good yet good enough yet to be in the starting 11 so they don't start and people start uh, to make problems about that in the organization of Vitesse and um, but uh, you have Nuck who have uh, very many Manchester City players that are not all very good but they don't have very good alternatives as well so uh, they live by those low needs and um, well that's that's the case uh, the, the way it is and um, I don't think they mostly they're not in the way of the development of Dutch players I think it's been a a trend, especially in recent years, where clubs in the lower echelons of the Eredivisie have, uh, have been um, far too quick to accept uh, potential loans of players that have particularly come from anywhere, not necessarily from Great Britain. Um, I think it's also a trend where British players are coming to the Netherlands in like a swarm, whereas uh, in previous years it was few and far between. But I agree with Frank, quality is the most important thing. If quality is, if the Dutch players are better than their uh, foreign counterparts, then they must be. Uh, they must be given a chance. This uh, this country, in a domestic sense, has always prized uh, youth, always given youth a chance, and uh, you can see that throughout the division. Even when you go down to the Europa League, you see uh, uh, young players um, coming through. I mean, I spoke to. Um, the press officer of Go Ahead Eagles when I interviewed Leon de Gogel um, last Monday and I was told by the press officer of uh, Go Ahead Eagles that they have three very young players who are from the um, local area of Daventer that have broke, th- broke through into the first team so they're, they're quite proud of that fact but um, I agree with Frank it's about um, quality is the most important thing um, but yeah, I, I think if you look at the tests, it does harm the development of a player such as Mitchell van Berken. 
he's the kind of player who needs to be coming off the bench to make those minutes to, to get better, to get experience. But instead, Vitesse will bring on someone such as Colquette or Mount, both of them from Chelsea. Those attacking players are, you know, they're, they're taking his chance to come on the pitch. But there are sort of some benefits of it. Like, you know, Vitesse will have extra players. They don't have to go out and buy squad players to thicken out squads. Not that, You know, you don't want a whole squad full of youth players, do you? But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think there's real benefits of all these lone players coming to the Dutch teams? Or is it just not necessary? Not not always uh, benefits. And Vitesse, Van Bergen has competition with Rashica, and he's a he's a Vitesse player. He's not a lone mm. and he's he, he's better than Van Bergen at, at this moment. So it's not very difficult to accept change for Rashica. But uh, Vitesse has some loanies from uh, Chelsea, not so many, but yeah, uh, that are not good enough yet to be in the starting eleven. You know, you can uh, you can't take off Serrero. Um, mm. Right now, because he's one of the best players, he's a key player when the, when Vitesse has the ball, so you can take him off. And uh, well, they have uh, Dabo on right back, uh, who's doing quite well so far. But the other players, well, they have to uh, fight their way into the starting eleven. They have a chance, but they have to fight their way in, and that's their learning experience to fight their way into the starting eleven. If they can, they can get their minutes. Um, yeah, I, I also think personally, I think it's it comes in cycles. I think it comes in cycles of a specific approach from certain um, certain clubs that want to enhance their reputation at a certain time, or but uh, they want to, to branch out to attract foreign players, or they're coming away from a, a youth policy that they once had. I think um, I think it's coming in cycles. I think we're seeing over over Europe, in European football in general. If you look at the um, if you look at the results of the Europa League qualifiers and the Champions League qualifiers, the gap between the more established European teams and the smaller uh, teams that not many people have heard of is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think it equates down to uh, uh, approaches from different uh, from different clubs in different countries. And in the Netherlands, at this precise moment in time, we're seeing uh, we're seeing swarms of, of young foreign players coming on loan to places like Vitesse and Nuk Breda and even NSA Nijmegen in, in, yeah. in the past. I think in it's, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a trend and it's a cycle, and I, I, I don't think it will continue forever. I think it's something which will, which will, um, which will peter out over time, and then uh, maybe we'll see, all of a sudden uh, be uh, be confronted with a different approach. Yeah, just wanted to say thanks uh, to thank Frank for joining us, and to let the readers know that uh, my uh, the translation of my article with uh, my interview with Leon de Gogel was approved. And hopefully it should be up on the site, ready to read within the next day or two. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Frank, for coming on. We hope you enjoyed joining us on Football, do you? No problem. Thanks again, and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah. Brilliant. Have a nice evening, Frank.